Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in Winning Cures Everything. It is the Wednesday, July 13th edition of the show. I am your host, Gary Seegers, of course. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And today we are discussing the Big 12 Part 2. So today we have got West Virginia all the way through Kansas. It is the teams that finished 6th through 10th in the standings in the 2021 football season. Uh, lots to discuss. Again, just in case you were just now jumping in on this, we are going to split these up for the last three conferences. Obviously this week we are doing the Big 12. Next week we've got the Big 10, and then we've got the SEC. But in order to make the shows not as long for multiple days of the week, we're going to split these things up so that we're only doing previews on some shows and other ones we're actually hitting on news and different topics that I would like to discuss. Obviously, uh, if you watched yesterday or listened yesterday, you heard me talk about the top 10 returning receivers in the Power 5. Well, on Thursday uh, for the YouTube show and then, of course, the Friday podcast, we're going to talk about the top 10 returning receivers in the G5. So we've got a lot that we will dive into with news and everything else. Um, but today, we are just hitting on college football previews. we got five teams that we're going to discuss, and we are going to go ahead and start with the West Virginia Mountaineers. And West Virginia last year, interesting team for sure, Neil Brown and what they were doing, uh, how how they were able to be successful with Jared Dagey as their quarterback was interesting. The team, I think, was a lot better than 
and and obviously the post game win expectancy would not tell you that. I'm going to go on and pull this up on the screen here, and you can see uh, post game win expectancy five point nine three and six point oh seven. They lost the bowl game, but they were six and six in the regular season. This team, as far as what was expected of them last year, I think it was about this, about a bowl game somewhere around there. I don't have high expectations this season, and that's a little strange considering. You know, they've got uh, JT Daniels coming in at quarterback, etc. But number 125 in returning production, that's 46%. They had a lot of high-profile guys that transferred out. Uh, they lost some guys to uh, the NFL, etc. Um, you know, lost linebacker, lost defensive line, just uh, problems. Now, you bring in Graham Harrell, and that could be the shot in the arm that you need along with JT Daniels, maybe. But... You know, the numbers last year weren't exactly great. They were number 107 in turnover margin, number 73 PPA margin, uh, 79 net points per drive. Like, this, it just wasn't overall great. Uh, projected SP Plus record is 4-8 and eight here. And I've kind of gone back and forth on my record prediction, but we'll, we'll talk about it first. We'll talk about the team. Uh, on offense, new OC, obviously, Graham Harrell. We talked about that. Former OC at USC and at North Texas. He was JT Daniels' second offensive coordinator at USC. And apparently, he and JT Daniels got along pretty well because when it came time for Daniels to transfer again away from Georgia, he decided to go with Harold to West Virginia. Uh, in seven seasons as a head coach, Neil Brown, who actually moved up the coaching ladder based on his offense, uh, he's never had a top 70 efficiency offense. Now, that is insane. Now, I would imagine... If you have at least some kind of playmakers or whatever, and so long as JT Daniels stays healthy, that he and Graham Harrell could fix that. They could be a top 70 efficiency offense. But obviously, we'll see. They do have four good offensive linemen back, but the wide receiver right and the running back, Letty Brown, are gone. Daniels could help the wide receivers forward, Wheaton, James, and Prather. Uh, the biggest question here is, can JT Daniels stay healthy? Like He had that one season where he was supposed to be still a high school senior and he was able to play through most of that I think he went out just a little bit nothing crazy but at beginning of his next year went out with an injury uh, the, basically the whole time he was at Georgia out with an injury if he can be healthy like he can obviously be a good quarterback I think I've said obviously like four times now maybe it's not so obvious uh, <laughs> but it, if he can stay healthy then I think this could be a good offense it could be good. They weren't last year. Number 67 in PPA per drive, uh, 52 in rushing success rate, number 68 in passing success rate, and then offensive explosive rate was number 86. They weren't able to generate a ton of uh, explosive plays. When you look at the defense, this is the other side of it. The defense is actually what made them pretty good last year. Number 54 in PPA per drive, 54 in rushing success rate. They're passing success rate on defense was number 82. That was pretty bad. Uh, but they were number 24 in defensive explosive play rate allowed. So they stopped some of the big plays from happening. They were able to win some games that maybe you wouldn't expect them to. Uh, Jordan Leslie remains as the defensive coordinator after being a Broyles Award nominee. I'm curious, what about these numbers show you that he should have been a nominee? Right? It's not that I think that he's bad by any stretch of the imagination. There was just nothing stand out so much about this. Uh, you got nine defenders 
that had 500-plus snaps in 2021, only two of them return. At defensive tackle Stills, the defensive end Austin and the linebacker Bartlett are studs on this team, and they're going to be leaders for the seven transfers and the three JUCO guys that, they're got, uh, that they got coming in. Defensive line does have experience with Stills and Austin, like I said, but I'm not necessarily sold on the linebackers. There's talent there, uh, but I'm not sold just yet. And the secondary is just a complete crapshoot. A ton of transfers, et cetera. You're just, we're just going to have to figure it out as we get there. Uh, keys to the season here. This team is projected to win, uh, as as I said, by SP Plus, 4-8. Uh, and eight. Um, They are projected favorites in five games, roundabout. Uh, we talk about the offense like it was putrid last year. Uh, but they weren't that bad. They were number 64 in scoring opportunities, number 38 in points per. And a scoring opportunity, by the way, for those that do not know, uh, drives that get inside the opponent 40-yard line. Uh, they were number 67 in PPA per drive. I mentioned that. The offense wasn't awful, but there's a lot that's changing. So we, we got to see what they're going to be like. And again, the defensive numbers were pedestrian here. 54 PPA per drive, number 82 in scoring opportunities allowed number 66 in success rate allowed overall. Eh, like I I don't know what the expectations are for this team. Like is, is Brown going to be in trouble if they end up, you know, 4 and 8, 5 and 7 somewhere around there? Uh, the returning production is just awful. 39% on defense. That's number 127 out of 131 teams. Uh number 100 in offensive returning production, that's 52%. You know, the roster strength is okay, but the defensive side is the weak suit. I'm I'm really curious here. Their win total is 5.5, and, and it's juiced to the over at a minus 135. I've got them at 5-7, and seven, and that's actually changing one of the games. I've got them winning over Kansas State towards the end of the season, but I could see them losing that game as well. I've got a win over TCU in here. I've got a win at Virginia Tech, and then Kansas and Towson. I've got those as well. I... I think five and seven sounds about right. I, I changed up. I had Kansas State at nine and three. I feel like they are more likely to go eight and four. But uh, but I I like Neil Brown. I like what he did at Troy, and I like what he's trying to do at West Virginia. Uh, but with without a ton of returning production, and I don't know how much I like the roster strength compared to some of these other teams in the Big Twelve. I'm gonna roll with five and seven on them. I I wonder about Neil Brown. I wonder what the expectation is for him going forward but uh, you know we'll see we'll see I, I think five and seven four and eight somewhere around there maybe not make a bowl game this year but set yourself up to where you can next season so we'll we'll see what ends up happening with that the Texas Longhorns and it's strange to have them towards the bottom of the big 12 you would expect with that much talent that they would be significantly better than they were last season uh disastrous first year for Steve Sarkeesian. But I will say, it, it was not an offensive problem. It's not his side of the ball that had an issue. It was the defense. And we're going to pull up those numbers there. Defense number 102 in PPA per drive, number 94 in success rate allowed rushing, uh, number 105 in passing success rate allowed. I mean, just, just abysmal. Like, you could tell that this team did not play hard. We'll, uh, we'll start off on, well, let's look at this. Okay, they went 5-7 and seven last year. Post-game win expectancy numbers should have been around 5.56 and 6.44, so closer to 6-6 six and six than 5-7. and seven. 
the projected SP Plus record is about seven and a half wins. So 7.5 and 4.5, either 7 and 5 or 8 and 4, somewhere around there. I think they're going to be better than that, but that's because I've got a lot. Uh, I, I, I got a lot of faith. How's that? In Quinn Ewers. I think he and that offense will be able to put up points at a ridiculous level, and I don't think the defense can get worse. I think bringing in Gary Patterson is big. We'll start off on the offensive side of the ball. They bring back 59% of the offense, but I don't think that that matters. Their roster strength is number four in the country on offense. Now, defense is number 16, which lets you know how absurd it was that, that they gave up as much as they did last year. But on offense, uh, number four, roster strength there, I you know, the offense was number 45 in PPA per drive, at number 44 rushing success rate. Passing success rate was number 60. Uh, and they were number 53 in explosive play rate. The offensive coordinator is Kyle Flood, but let, let's not kid ourselves. This is Sarkeesian's offense. Uh, it wasn't an off. It wasn't an issue in 2021 at all. Number eight in points per play, number 21 in points per scoring opportunity. When they did get down into the red zone, when they did get into the 40 yard line, the opponent's 40, they were able to score. Uh, Quinn Ewers comes in from Ohio State. Uh, the wide receiver Isaiah Nair from Wyoming. Uh, to pair him with Worthy and Robinson. I mean, just playmakers all over this offense. And that doesn't even include Billingsley and Ajay Hall, et cetera, if you can keep those guys. Uh, I'm not concerned. What's the word I'm looking for? If you can keep those guys in, right, keep them in on the team, then you can do that. Uh, You'll have just a bevy of opportunities for these guys. I mean, they're going to be able to make plays. Absolutely. Offensive line did play pretty well. They were number 16 in offensive line yards, number 14 in stuff rate uh, allowed, number 45 in havoc rate allowed. They they returned three starters on that offensive line with 689-plus snaps. The rest of the guys are very talented, but they are inexperienced. Going to take a little bit of time. But Kyle Flood, really good offensive line coach. I fully expect him to be able to work with these guys. Let's move over to the defense. This is where it becomes a problem. I, I still have issues with his last name. Defense coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski. <laughs> I hope I said that right. Uh, he's got to work on culture here badly. Uh, I mean, they, they were just bad at every level in, in 2022. you got to wonder if Gary Patterson coming in can help that out a little bit. Now, it is a little strange to mention Gary Patterson as being somebody that could help the defense because of how bad TCU was on defense last year. But regardless, this is somebody that understands defense and understands how to build a culture, even if things went off the rails uh, at TCU. They're returning 7 out of 10 players that got 400-plus snaps. Defensive line and linebackers were actually number 41 in stuff rate, but all the other rushing stats were just blah. Like I said, number 94 in rushing success rate allowed. They only brought in two transfers, so that that kind of lets me know that they trust the guys that they got. They just need them to uh, work hard. They need to find a scheme that fits. The linebacker forward, uh, Brockermeyer, overshone. Uh, they combined for 17 tackles for loss last year. You got four defensive linemen that had two sacks apiece. Like, there are dudes that you can work with on this defense. Uh, this team has got, they are projected favorites in 10 games. Now, the two losses uh, are the two where they'll be underdogs, Alabama and Oklahoma. But, you know, we've seen this before. Their win total sits at eight, the over is minus 135. Let's talk about the keys to the season before we actually talk about the schedule here. Uh, you can score points 
without establishing a strong culture, but you can't play defense without that. They either didn't want to play hard or they didn't know how to play hard or the scheme was just completely wrong last year. Regardless, I think that they will have that at least somewhat figured out this season. I think it's going to help more. Uh, will viewers be able to clean up the turnover margin? They were number 85 in turnover margin last year. They were number 104 in interceptions gained. The defense was last year. Uh, they were number 57 in turnovers lost. So 10 interceptions, 7 fumbles. Like it, you got to get the defense to be a little more aggressive and go after the ball. you got to be able to get some more turnovers. And I think that viewers can maybe limit the number of interceptions. You know, they, Casey Thompson had nine of them by himself last year. Hudson Card had one. Everything kind of hinges on being able to build a culture here. And I don't, I don't know if I trust Sark to build that. Like, obviously, he was able to learn something at the University of Alabama. But, you know, toughness is, is certainly something that's built inside of a, a football program. Maybe a rejuvenated Gary Patterson helps that. Maybe. I I mean, we're just going to have to see. There are four games that you could list as toss-ups where the projected final score is within eight points, so a one-score game. Uh, but they're projected favorites in ten games. Like I said, I've got them going nine and three. Like, And I've always kind of been a, a Texas homer because I believe that with that amount of talent that you should be able to win more than just, you know, six games or, or not even what they did. Last, I mean, they got to five last year. I think they're going to go 9-3. and three. I've got a loss to TCU. I've got a loss to Oklahoma State. I've got a loss to Alabama. Could they lose to Oklahoma? Yeah. Could they lose to Iowa State? Yeah. Like, they could lose to anybody on the schedule. They could also beat anybody on the schedule. So 9-3 and three feels about right to me. Uh, would it surprise me if they win 10 games? 11 games? No. Not at all. Like, I, I, it would surprise me if they beat Alabama. But anybody else on the schedule is beatable. They will be able to have a good record so long as they get the defense shored up because I have no doubts that the offense is going to be awesome. That is that is the way that I think this team will be built is you're going to be able to score points and all you got to do is be able to stop the other team some. Last year, they weren't able to stop them ever. So so I'm going to roll with Texas going 9-3 and three here. Uh, we'll move on from there. The TCU Horned Frogs. Now, my buddy Parker... Uh, He's got way more thoughts on this league and this team specifically than I do. But I'm going to go ahead and give you my my ideas on this. I I like Sonny Dykes, right? I think think he can be a good coach, but I think there is a ceiling to what you can accomplish with him as a coach. Uh, We'll talk about what this team did last year. They were 5-7 overall, 3-6 in the conference. Their postgame win expectancy was actually 5.83 and 6.17. So... Uh, closer to six and six than they were five and seven. Really, they were awful against the spread, two nine and one. But this team returns a ton. I mean, just an absolute metric ton. Seventy nine percent returning production. That's number eight in the country. Eighty six percent returning production on offense. That's number six. Defense returns seventy three percent. That's number twenty nine. Uh, they they've done well. Roster strength is okay. Number 41 overall. That's our buddies at CFB Winning Edge. Let's talk about the offense first. Offense last year for TCU was really good. Number 13 in PPA per drive. Uh, number 56 in rushing success rate. Obviously, you got running backs that are gone now, but regardless, uh, you do have guys that came in. Number 41 in passing success rate. Number 6 in offensive explosive play rate. 
Part of that is because their total plays per game was number 111. So every time you did have an explosive play, it obviously counted more considering you're running less plays. But I digress. Sonny Dykes and the offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, uh, he was SMU's offensive coordinator, and also Lincoln's little brother. They were number 25 in offensive plays per game at SMU. TCU was number 90. And the difference there is 73.1 offensive plays per game on average to 67.7 offensive plays per game. Like it, It's a vast difference. If TCU had run, at, let's say, six more plays per game last year to, to equal up to about what SMU was doing, how many more points could you score with Max Duggan and Quentin Johnson and all that bunch? Right? I mean, that's if you moved with a little bit more pace, would you have been able to score more points? Uh, this is already a good offense to work with. Like, uh, the number six in explosive play rate. Uh, offensive line was iffy, though. They returned three starters on that offensive line. Quarterbacks Duggan and Morris are back, along with the wide receivers Quentin Johnson, Barber, and Brown. Uh, ULL, well, let's call them Louisiana so nobody gets mad. Louisiana running back Imani Bailey and Florida State's Corey Wren transfer in as the running backs. They'll be able to... You're not going to see a, a ton of them, I would imagine. I think that there's other guys that'll be able to play as well. But I do think that's a lie. That's an absolute flat-out lie, and I apologize. You're going to see a lot of them. And SMU, while you would think that they pass the ball just a ton, uh, they are able to run the ball as well. I mean, they ran it on... SMU was able to run on TCU last year. I wouldn't imagine that Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley do a whole lot different as far as that's concerned. On defense, there's only one question. Like, how did this get so bad under Gary Patterson? I just, I have no idea. Um, the new D.C., Joe Gillespie, he did work wonders at Tulsa. Uh, this defense was bad at everything, though, last year. Number 118 in passing PPA allowed. Uh, number 121 in rushing PPA allowed. Uh, number 124 in points per scoring opportunity. So when they did let somebody get down in scoring range, they couldn't stop them. At all. Number 117 in overall success. I mean, it was just bad all around. They brought in eight transfers on defense, and they're going to need every last one of them. There's talent at linebacker and defensive back. Defensive line is going to need development. Uh, but I, I fully expect that Gillespie will be able to do that. He did it at Tulsa over and over again with guys that you just had no idea who they were until they developed into NFL guys, right? Uh, will the offensive plays change? Uh, will it hurt? more on defense, right? That's it, We always see this when, when you start running more plays, does the defense get a little more gassed easily, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think it's going to be a, a big shift for this team because you're going from a team that didn't run a lot of plays to a team that is going to run a lot of plays, which is also going to play on your defense. So I'm curious about that. Um, you know, Gillespie, I don't know. He was able to develop guys that nobody knew about when Tulsa ran a lot of plays as well for Philip Montgomery. Um, let's talk about the the keys to the season first. Uh, you got to figure out which quarterback is going to be your starter. How much will the change with the offense, um, or how much will change with the offense when they start running more plays? Because you know that's going to happen. Uh, defense key to the whole season. Key to, like the only way they can be good is if they're able to stop somebody. Like they'll be able to score points. But they were able to score points last year. I mean, bottom line, you got to be able to stop somebody. Uh, I, my biggest, my biggest hire for this bunch was Gillespie from Tulsa. Bottom line, uh, biggest thing here is going to be getting back to the basics, fundamentals, absolute key. 
number 85 in turnover margin, number 106 in penalties per game. Like They're going to have to be better at those things big time this year. Uh, they're projected favorites in seven games. This is where we'll get to the schedule. They've got nine toss-ups, which are games that are expected to be decided by one score or less. Nine games by one score or less. I mean, that's just bananas. Just bananas. The win total sits at 6.5. The over is juiced at minus 125. Uh, look, to win the conference, 14-1, to 1, like they've got talent. They obviously can score. If you think Gillespie can fix the defense, you know, plus 1,400, pretty decent odds for somebody to win the conference considering this is kind of a crapshoot anyway. But, I mean, I've got TCU going 7-5. and five. That's that's I've got them going over, but I'm still very much wait and see as far as this bunch is concerned. I've got a loss to Oklahoma, a loss to Kansas State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and a loss to Baylor. That means I've got them beating Texas, beating Iowa State, beating Oklahoma State, uh, winning at SMU. Like, I think... I think this team could be good. They've got all the offensive talent in the world. But I'm I'm curious. I'm just very curious. <laughs> That's all I'll say. All right, so let's go ahead and hit an ad right quick. And then uh, we'll come back and we'll hit Texas Tech and Kansas. Let's take a break from the show for just a minute to give you some info on things you should know about. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, our gambling picks, our store, the gear we use, and more. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get not only the full shows, but individual segments, along with other goodies as well. We're over 5,600 subscribers right now, and our goal by the end of football season is 7,500. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. You can visit winningcureseverything.com slash store and see what all we've added. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And now, back to the show. The Texas Tech Red Raiders, uh, pretty good hire. Pretty good season last year. Everything went well. Uh, it was a kind of shocking to see that they fired Matt Wells when he was still five and three, and the team looked pretty good. You could tell the direction that the team was going last year because once Tyler Shuck got hurt, then it was, yeah, you know, we'll figure it out. Now they were able to rally the troops and get a couple more wins at the end of the season, and a big one over Mike Leach, of course. You know that the admins loved that, but Joey McGuire. Comes into a team that went seven and six last year. They were six and six in the regular season. Their postgame win expectancy was five point eight one and six point one nine. Let's go on and pull it up on the screen here so that you get an idea of what I'm looking at. The offense was pretty awesome last year. Number twenty seven in PPA per drive, number thirty three rushing success rate, number twenty two passing success rate. They were awesome. Uh, the offensive coordinator Zach Kitley takes over here, but without all of his Houston Baptist transfers. So you got to wonder, are there going to be some growing pains? Does he have the right fit as far as personnel goes? 
This team, as far as returning production goes, number 95 overall in the country, 56% returning overall on the team, 57% returning on offense, 56% per, uh, returning on defense. And the roster strength is pretty good. Defense is actually the stronger side of the ball right now, but they do have playmakers on that offense. Like This is a team that I, I think could shock some people. Now, obviously, I'll go on a spoiler alert. I've got them making a bowl game. Um, Tyler Shuck is back after suffering an injury in game four last year. His numbers were great. Like He's going to compete with the quarterback, Donovan Smith. It's different styles here somewhat. Donovan Smith, uh, Sonny Cumbie let him throw the ball like crazy last year. I mean, it, like 27% of his passes were, were downfield. Like it's, it's really interesting what they did on offense. Uh, Taj Brooks had a breakout year. How much is Kitley going to use running backs this year? He didn't use them a ton at Western Kentucky. I would imagine he's going to try and fit the scheme a little more to personnel. I mean, they're loaded with tight ends, et cetera. Wide receiver Price leads a talented core here. Two offensive linemen with plus, uh, with plus 800 snaps here. You do have four transfers coming in on the offensive line. The offense is going to be interesting to watch. This is one of my more interesting teams and whenever I do a segment about that, that's something that I'm certainly going to talk about is how we don't really know what to expect from this team. Based on the way that the team was built and what Kitley likes to do, maybe what McGuire likes to do, etc., it's going to be interesting. Uh, as far as defense goes, Tim DeRuder is the new defense coordinator. He was at Oregon as the D.C. in 2021. He was at Cal for four years before that. Tyree Wilson and the defense tackle Hutchings are back to uh, lead the defensive line here. Talent is there uh, at linebacker with Pearson and Merriweather. Like, they got dudes. Uh, secondary was a weakness last year. Number 110 in passing PPA. Number 106 in success rate allowed. And they returned three players with 740-plus snaps. I mean, there's talent, but it did not gel really well last year. Like, that's just kind of a, a problem. Uh, you look at this defense, I mean, number 108 in PPA per drive, like it, it's, I don't, I don't fully get it. I don't understand exactly what happened. Um, but I mean, you were able to see it. Like they, they were able to score on Texas. They scored 35 on Texas and they gave up 70. Like <laughs> it just happened over and over and over again. Um, this team, you know, they're protected favorites in four games, but they got 10 toss ups. And those are, those toss ups are games that are projected to be within one score. So within eight points, Joey McGuire was kind of handpicked to lead this program. And while Wells was still the quarterback, I mean, that was going on. I mean, because he left in the middle of the year from Baylor. Like, what are the expectations for McGuire? And we'll talk more on the show on Thursday about Texas Tech's $200 million football investment uh, for their facilities and whatnot. I mean, I, I think that McGuire's a great hire, but you fired a coach that was five and three. And looking to make the first bowl game in, in quite some time, I I gotta wonder, you know, what what are you expecting out of McGuire? Like, it, what is the ceiling on this program, et cetera? Especially with the changes in the conference coming up over the next few years. Uh, figuring out quarterback under Kitley is going to be the key. Like, Shuck has the arm. Smith tries to use his legs a little more. He had 56 rushes, and it was only 2.77 yards per rush. But he ran a little more. Uh, the wide receiver talent is there for them to do stuff. Uh, they, I think, could lean on tight ends a little bit this year, but you know, maybe maybe the short to intermediate game is where they're going to go much more than what they did towards the end of last season where they just let it fly, right? Uh, DeRuder hasn't called a defense for a team whose offense runs a ton of plays in a long time. 
Uh, Oregon was number 78 in offensive plays per game. Western Kentucky was number 14. So, you know, and, and when DeRuiter was at Cal, uh, his, and we, we kind of saw something like this, right? Jay Bateman was the defensive coordinator at, uh, at Army before he went over to North Carolina. And he paired with Phil Longo. And his defense was not really set up to be able to run as many plays as Phil Longo's offense was on the other side. So when Phil Longo's bunch would go three and out or four and out in like a minute, and then Bateman's bunch had to be back out on the field, I mean, that defense would get gassed pretty easily. What should we expect from Tim DeRuiter's defense if Zach Kittley is going to go out there and run stuff very quickly, right? A lot of pace. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested. Very interested in that, for sure. Uh, as far as the schedule goes, uh, projected favorites in four games, 10 toss-ups. Uh, their win total is 5.5. It's juiced to the under. And conference odds are plus 4,000. I'm not, I don't expect this much to win the conference in Joey McGuire's first year. Obviously, you never know. But regardless, uh, the win total is what I'm going to look at here. I, I like the over. I like them at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, I think they're going to beat Houston. I think they're going to beat Murray State in, in non-conference. I think they'll lose at NC State. But after that, I've got to win over Oklahoma State. I've got to win over West Virginia. I've got to win over Baylor and a win over TCU. And I actually think this team could be the one team to lose to Kansas. <laughs> I know that the Red Raiders fans don't want to hear that, but I I think this team is good enough to get to a bowl game. I mean, that could, I could see them anywhere from 5-7 and seven up to maybe even 8-4. and four. I'm going to rest at 6-6, six and six, but I would love to know what you guys think. Leave it in the comments over on YouTube. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. But, uh, yeah, I like the hire a lot. I like Joey McGuire. I I want to see what they're going to do on offense and really on defense. I just want to see what this team looks like. That's my biggest thing. I want to see them because I, I'm so curious, just curious about Texas Tech, but yeah, six and six seems about right. Bowl game for Joey in his first year. I uh, I like that bunch. I like them quite a bit. The Kansas Jayhawks are the last team that we are going to discuss here. And anybody that has watched this show for any length of time should know that I am a huge Lance Leipold fan. When he was at Buffalo, I thought it was genius, the direction that they went. You hire somebody from a lower level that understands how to win somewhere that it's kind of difficult to win. And the way that you do that is you establish a culture. And you kind of saw that last year with Kansas in 2021. Towards the end of the season, they got the win over Texas, and then they had some really close calls. But Kansas is not used to being in close calls, right? Every now and then they're going to sneak up on somebody and whatnot. But they they were a fun team last season their numbers overall on the season were not great there's a lot of red on that screen if you're looking at it on youtube if you're listening on the podcast you can go check out all of the there's a link in the description by the way that will pull up this spreadsheet for you guys if you want to see it so go ahead and check that out but um number 103 in offensive ppa per drive number 130 in defensive ppa per drive that's predicted points added per drive uh, it's basically efficiency and explosiveness and success rate kind of all wrapped up into one. Uh, they were, I mean, just about as bad as you could get as far as success rate on defense last year. Number 129 in rushing success rate allowed. Number 130 in passing success rate allowed. There were only 130 FBS teams. It does not get worse than that. Now, 
The PPA margin was pretty bad, number 127. Net points per drive, number 127. Total plays per game, they played at a slower pace, number 109. Uh, yeah, let's let's start off with the offense. You've got 81% of your offense coming back. On defense, you got 82% coming back. Overall, you have 81% of your team's production coming back. That's number six in the country. That is really, really good. Now, the roster strength ain't great. It ain't great at all. You went 2-10 and 10 last year. Post-game win expectancy, by the way, 2.61 and 9.39. So they were closer to three wins than they were to two, even though they ended the year on the scoreboard with two wins and 10 losses. Uh, their projected SP-plus record this year is 3-9. and nine. Starting on offense, the OC, Andy Kotelnicki, probably said that wrong. My apologies if so. Uh, he was with Leipold at Buffalo for seven years. At the quarterback, Jalen Daniels, he basically, I mean, he he took over last year. Like He established himself as the quarterback. Uh, he returns with the running back, Devin Neal, and wide receivers, Wilson, Arnold, Grimm, and the tight end, Fairchild. There's talent on offensive line. You got a couple of guys, uh, the center, Nowitzki, the left tackle, Bostic, that could be all-conference guys. Like, really, really good offensive line pieces. Uh, they ran nearly 58% of their plays last year on offense. Like, they had tons of rushing. Are they going to continue to do this? Because, and the only reason I mention that, they were number 54 in passing PPA last year, but only number 96 in rushing PPA. So it doesn't make a ton of sense to keep doing the thing that you're bad at and not doing as much of the thing that you're good at. Because it, uh, you, you know the ratio here. 58% rushes means only 42% passing. Why would you not flip that? Not trust Leipold to be able to figure it out, but at, regardless, you were better at passing the ball last year than you were at running. Why did you run it so much? On defense, the defense coordinator, Brian Borland, he wants to have more havoc this season. They were number 130 in havoc rate last year, and he says that they have schemed for more disruptive plays. Well, they certainly need it. Uh, pretty much anything is going to be better. I've already mentioned how bad the numbers were, uh, but Leipold mentioned that the defense has added weight, and they've gotten more comfortable with schemes. He mentioned that after spring practice this year. Like, it's a huge talent overhaul on defense. Uh, as far as roster strength, the offense is number 105. Defense is number 51. I mean, these transfers really made a huge difference as far as their overall numbers. Uh, you, seven transfers could all end up playing a lot. Like, I'm expecting pretty big improvement numbers this year, which shouldn't be too hard to do considering they were almost dead last in everything. But uh, regardless, this team is only projected to be favored in two games this year, which uh, is kind of shocking, really, uh, even the fact that they are projected to be favored in two games. They've got one game that is expected to be a toss-up, and that is a game that would be within uh, eight points. So keys to the season before we get to the actual schedule here. Uh, last three games of 2021 kind of showed the real organic growth for this team. They upset Texas and Austin. They lost 31 to 28 to TCU. They lost to West Virginia 34 to 28. Like culture is building and it's pretty prevalent here. I, I think you're going to see a completely different team come out this year, a team that, that won't beat themselves. And they didn't really beat themselves last year. You got a lot of returning production, which I mentioned. Uh, it's normally when Leipold has his best seasons is when he has a bunch of guys coming back. You, you actually got to go through spring practice with this coaching staff. You did not get to do that last year. So that's kind of a big deal. They they had the fundamentals down, absolutely down. They were number one in penalty yards per game. They were number three in penalties per game, number 41 in turnover margin, at basically 47 in takeaways and 48 in giveaways. 
Like, I'm curious to see the growth this year. I've got them going three and nine. The win total is two and a half. It's heavily juiced to the over at minus 135. Uh, if you wanted to go under that two and a half, it'd be plus 105. So, you know, positive odds there. Look, you got, I don't think you're going to beat West Virginia or Houston in weeks two and three on the road. But do you beat Tennessee Tech? Yeah, I think so. Do you beat Duke in the first month with the new coach, Mike Elko? Yeah, I think so, especially at home. I've got them winning at Texas Tech because I, I expect them to beat somebody. Would it surprise me if they beat Iowa State in Week 5? No. Uh, would it surprise me if they beat uh, Kansas State? No, not really. Would it surprise me if they beat TCU? Somebody like No. I think there's a few spots here that, where they could win games. Do I think that they're going to win a lot? No, not yet. They still got a lot of roster building to do. But I do think that Kansas can be a, a force to, to reckon with. If you mess around with them and you don't show up for a game, you think you can just walk into the stadium against the Lance Leipold team? Yeah, they can beat you. And they probably will because they're not going to beat themselves. Like His, his units are always incredibly well coached. I will say that. All right, that is going to wrap up today's show. Went, uh, went about 40 minutes again. But you guys are fantastic. I certainly appreciate all of you for watching the show. I am going to be in Las Vegas on Thursday evening. So when the next show runs, uh, I will already be on an airplane. <laughs> I'll already be almost there. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. Make sure and keep tuning in. Keep sharing out the show. Keep telling your friends. I would appreciate that. If you have not already subscribed to the podcast or to the YouTube channel, go ahead and do that for me. That helps out the show quite a bit, way more than you know. But yes, definitely go ahead and do that. With that said, we are going to get out of here. Again, you guys have been fantastic. Take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully, hopefully, all of you tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to the Winning Cures Everything podcast. The website is winningcureseverything.com, and if you want to connect with us, we're on Twitter, at GaryWCE, at ChrisBGiannini, at Winning Cures, or you can email us, Gary at winningcureseverything.com, or Chris at winningcureseverything.com. Subscribe everywhere you need to subscribe, and we'll see you soon. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stripe Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.